This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Blog Talk Radio. Hi Freya. Thank you for talking to me today. This is Healing from Harmony Hall. And uh, we're today happily talking to Freya Lawton. Welcome you to the show. Hello. I was just asking about my unconscious. As in my my understanding, is like eighty percent of person is unconscious, and yeah. um, I don't think there's that much of me that is unconscious now, actually. But um, but in my unconscious, there was a sabotaging pattern which I noticed because I at one stage in my life got offered a brilliant title which was called International Ambassador of Goodwill. <laughs> At the very last hurdle, the last interview, I just started working for a homeless shelter, and I was full, you know, just like I have been the last few weeks of angst about marginalised groups, people having a terrible time, and human suffering, and it just took all the energy out of that push to do something epic. So it's, I realised that that's what's happening again now. I, like a couple of weeks ago, I was excited talking to. Yeah, writing to Bill Gates and asking him to fund me um, so that I could literally convert the entire world to veganism uh, as he felt was necessary and probably didn't know how to do and I might give it a go for him. And, and so I was totally fired up. I went along and started a business plan and then only in a matter of a week or two I've been back down to... Oh my God, those poor dolphins and then the pylon person is coming next week and it's coming, they're coming on Valentine's night so I better go because no one else is going to want to go on Valentine's night. That, that something, that one of my sabotages is to come up with something, something else that requires my attention. Well, I think, I think that's the thing. I think that's why we have to kind of focus. I mean, I, I've done exactly the same thing in the last few months. Yes. Oh. And it was when I kind of looked at what am I trying to do here? Well, you're trying you're trying to respond to a com- your your compassionate self's need to do something. Yes. And the problem is, the more we try and spread that effect, the less effective it becomes. And I think that's the you know that's what I realised. I had to stop it because I was spending I was doing too little on too many things and not enough on really focusing on on one or two things that really mattered. And it's and it's difficult to, you know, determine what those things are, but I do think that you have to kind of your job Yeah. They're the main things and then everything else has to become a hobby. Absolutely. It's, it's but, only terminology, but it shows how much energy has to go into one and not the other. Oh, that's good. And it's also a kind of a lightness of touch, isn't it? It's sort of like it's a hobby to try and stop the pylons. Yeah, rather yeah, than um, yeah, and it matters, and it's personal, and it, it and it's more than personal. It's 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 part of what you're doing, yeah. but it's not the core of what you're doing. I've been feeling that the best use of your time and and mine in this medium is to focus on teaching other people mm-hmm. how to start 
and sustain their journey towards consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to involve aspects of neutrality uh, because w- one thing we've noticed you know, in our own journeys is that you can get lost in that social awareness and that increasing awareness of what's going on. It's a mixture of mental discipline. It's a mixture of me- mental discipline and a mixture of generating the enthusiasm to do it. I think that if we talked about uh, the... Obviously include energy clearing because for most people they are at the stage when they've got their, they're still quite identified with all their personal stuff going on in their lives and it's about generating an enthusiasm uh, and an urgency about raising one's own consciousness. What do you think about that? No, I think that's good and I think that's, you know, we're, we're, we, all, we all have our own consciousness but there is this kind of growing awareness that there is, you know, there, for want of a better expression, there is a battle going on on this planet. Yes. And, and how we respond to that battle and the part that we play in that battle is, is a, a fundamental reason why our consciousness is expanding. And, you know, the yeah. outcome will depend on our ability to respond to the information that comes into our awareness, and, you know, the things that we become aware of and the emotions that, they, that that brings up. So Absolutely. I, my job, I feel, is to know what people know, if you like, yeah. So to, to know the biggest picture of what it feels like to suffer emotionally, what it feels like to phys- experience physical pain, yeah. what it feels like to, you know, to experience loss, all of, all of these things, what it feels like to feel a bit empowered and used and kind of... Uh, insignificant. Uh, insignificant and enslaved, which is really what people are becoming aware of through the conspiracy or the truth agenda, if you like, is the way that humanity is being used. Yes. So that is part of the awakening. The awakening of consciousness is happening on many different levels. What people are becoming aware of is how our consciousness has created our reality. And we're becoming aware of what we've done unconsciously. We're now becoming aware of what we've allowed to happen unconsciously. And yes. all of that conspiracy, all of the GM, you know, the GM, all of the crop spray, all of the chem spraying, the allowing a minority to, to control the system. This is where we're at. This is where we find ourselves. Yes. So that now what I'm interested in is sharing with people the possibility of where we go from here. So, yes. Well, that's brilliant. And, and what I was trying out was I asked, you know, can I, can I tune in to the ionosphere and, and, do, and try that process for myself, uh, as in to... You know, to put in a little bit of energy and get back masses of energy and direct it somewhere to warm up the house a bit would be a really nice start. Because, I mean, <laughs> what I've noticed with everybody in this line of work, over here at least, is that we soldier on in really chilly circumstances. <laughs> you know, and I'm not quite sure why it is. Anybody else's house I go to is, like, absolutely toasty. My fantastic... Uh, four layers of clothing increasing in size.
December brings us rain and sleet It often brings us snow To cover up these busy streets Where we would often go And every year around this time There was magic in the air Music played, the lights would shine In a world without a care This was home This was home This was home Just last night I had a dream I was on that road again To my surprise What I had seen Was just as it was then Fairy lights around the window frame Open fire by my bed Into my room my mother came This is what she said Welcome home Welcome home
it is a big question, you know, do, do you inform people yeah. uh, about what you believe to be going on or do you, or do you not? I mean, again... Well, I feel about... very strongly that, that you do, that I, that I want to, because uh, it just, it was so powerful to me that I was like, well, I, I would like to uh, process, uh, in a way, that information into a summary and send it to, you know, the paper. Mm. And blog, but mainly to the mainly mainly to the paper, and to the European government people that are coming to Kilkenny next week to to talk about infrastructure and tell us why it's a really good idea to have the 400 kV cables, and it's essential. And I just thought I'd love to just put a summary understanding down because I mean the likelihood is they don't know either. about demonstrating yes you know and whether it is you know whether there is any impact on you know uh, shouting a negative chant and uh, and we know that there is we we absolutely know that there is yes. there's no doubt about it the whole 
foundation of, of mantra is to understand that the vibration of words has an impact not just on ourselves but on the entire universe around us. Yes. To, to think that we can get away with shouting and chanting you know, words of, that bring us into a state of, of low vibrational emotion. Yes. Uh, without contributing to what we're trying to, to change yeah. is, 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 is a complete uh, anomaly denial of the, of the way that energy works. Yes. So, but that doesn't mean to say that we, we can't make a decision to choose to prefer to live in a world where animals are not suffering and to find intelligent ways to work with energy to create a positive form, if you like, of demonstration of our feelings. Yes. That moves us on from demonstration and anger and, and, and conflict and confrontation. That moves us into a state of powerful use of intent to create what it is we do want rather than fighting against what we don't want. Well, I totally agree. Z 
to look and see You see, if I were a thief There'd be a place for me Or if I were a soldier I'd fight in a war But if I were a coward I wouldn't get very far anyone is experiencing suffering to consider the possibility that you are actually experiencing um, in a sense a spiritual crisis and therefore a spiritual opportunity is a far more productive way to move forward and a, and a, and a, and a way of thinking about our experience which is much more likely to lead to our liberation than to our continued suffering. And what I've also noticed recently is this idea that uh, because we're all one, that sometimes our suffering is not actually our own. So we're actually experiencing things for the, I don't know, for others, actually. So often you see it, um, well, I've seen it with, with clients that, that they might be carrying something or experiencing something on behalf of someone else in the household. You know, something within, you know, on the individual level can be very, very similar to what seems to be happening on a, on a, you know, global level or in the news or, you know, uh, some specific thing unfolding. And although I, I obviously believe that everything is inside us, I do think that it, it, it is helpful to sometimes recognize one's own suffering as, as an empathetic experience with the rest of the world as well, so that you don't just get so fully identified with each thing that happens apparently to you as an individual. Because that identification is so so complete for many people, isn't it? We have existing in our, in our history and in our current thinking and in the whole realm now of people involved in this, uh, in kind of understanding and embracing this awakening, this great awakening, we have models, if you like, of what this awakening is about, what it will look like, what it will feel like. Yeah. And I think in the first stages, if we have no 
kind of access to those models, just as I had no access to those models, then what we're left with is an experience, the, the experience that we're very much encouraged uh, to uh, believe in, which is that we are purely separate beings, we are not connected to anybody else, that the only thing that matters is our will, our choice, our purpose, um, and that our suffering is therefore our own. So if we experience a pain or we experience an emotion or, or whatever, that emotion is ours. And when you combine that with the idea of, um, of, of linear time, and again, linear time is one of the, the foundations, if you like, of our belief in our separation. And again, in linear time is a very recent uh, invention. You know, you and I were born into you know, the idea that, uh, um, you know, the calendar that we look at on the wall yes. has a meaning, that it, that it tells us where we are in our lives, that we are, if you like, moving through time, that the time is passing, that the past is behind us now, we're in the present and we will eventually move into our future. Yes. Now, again, ancient peoples, indigenous peoples do not share that understanding of time, you know, this uh, this is in a sense. Uh, I think um, uh, Einstein said, you know, that it's a it's a, an illusion. It's a very persistent illusion. Yes. Because we are born into it, and we're surrounded by it in our culture this idea of moving through linear time, and actually, it's not true. It can't be proven, and science is, you know, rapidly catching up with the ancient spiritual understanding or the ancient indigenous understanding that time is simultaneous. But linear time is really important because linear time is, is focusing on linear time and living as if it's true, living with this understanding of our, in, within our consciousness, creates the idea of memory. So basically, who you are as a separate person and this is the thing which has become extraordinarily overemphasized. Our sense of separation, our sense of who we are as separate entities, yeah. over and above our connectivity and our and ourselves as an aspect of the one, yeah. has become overemphasized because of our um, uh, overemphasis and, and overattachment to this idea of linear time. As Einstein said, this illusion, this persistent illusion. Now, yeah. Why that's important is because you know who you are or you believe you know who you are, what you're like, what you like and don't like, what you're good at, what you're bad at. All of your emotional memories, particularly the bad emotional memories which stay with us apparently through time, are all hanging on your understanding that you are passing through time. So you have in your head, if you like, thoughts, which you, pictures, feelings, which you attribute to yourself in the past. So you know who you are now and who you're likely to be tomorrow with mm -hmm. all your limitation and all your angst and all your suffering and all your emotional trauma because of who you believe you were in the past. Oh. Now, if... if Part of the awakening is to recognize that that past is an illusion, simply because linear time is an illusion. Then 
who you are and who you're able to turn yourself into is fundamentally altered and, and you are freed, in a sense, from who you believe yourself to have been and therefore the limitation that you believe yourself to be living within now. Well, I think that's really interesting and that idea of freedom I really want to, uh, to explore because the other aspect uh, in terms of this journey are these reasons to look at time and really re-evaluate, re uh, you know, whether the, you know, whether the, what's a delusion and what isn't delusion, you know, to actually to take that on as a, as a task is, is a very interesting journey. But it's also not just an interesting journey that some people should take, you know, just if it happens to be your thing, uh, which you know you want to say it is mine. But I think that it, there is an, an urgency to getting conscious, exploring consciousness, exploring what's illusion and what isn't, because otherwise, but because that independence of mind and that independence from illusion uh, is going to be our uh, is what's really needed on the planet at the moment for for the task in hand. I think um, if, I would, if I would describe what's going on, what, what the grand awakening or the great turning uh, has been for me and, and how I see it, is that we've been locked in a very, very limited understanding of who we are, how the world works, what our place in the world is, and what we're capable of changing in our own lives and in the world around us. And that limited thinking has all come from uh, a kind of turning, going, if you like, down a cul-de-sac scientifically, and, and also perhaps by the deliberate manipulation of information and the suppression of information and the distortion of information, yeah. which would teach us, in fact, the opposite, that we are not separate, purely separate. We are individual representations of a single uh, unifying energy, energy field that manifests in the myriad different ways we call reality. Yeah. That we are, that our interconnectedness is not something which simply joins us together, but is actually something which means we are everything that we experience. Every person, every illness, every chair, every conversation is us conversing with us on the grandest, in the grandest sense, yeah. so that everything we see around us has been manifest from our own being. We have created everything. So that means that we're not looking at the creations of other people. We're looking at the creation of our own consciousness and the state of our own existing consciousness. And that therefore leads us on to the realization, which is really what I'm working with, with still flow, teaching still flow as a process and with the peace intention of harnessing that understanding in order to engage people in creating world peace is that we are manifesting and creating everything we see around us all of the time. Yes. If this is one consciousness, oneness doesn't mean we're all kind of invisibly connected. It means that we are all there is. We are everything. And that gives us a huge responsibility, but also a huge opportunity to begin to change our thinking and take up our role, if you like. The role we've always had, but 
subconsciously or unconsciously, completely, uh, completely unaware of our role in actually changing the nature of the dream we are dreaming. This is the dream we are dreaming. It's a real dream, but it's a dream that we're dreaming. And with our thinking and changing our thinking, changing our responses to things we used to think were separate to us, like other people, or physical pain, or a sense of isolation, or a sense of uh, uh, limitless, uh, uh, being limited in any way. Once we begin to change our response to those experiences, because we now know that we can, yeah. we can change the reality around us. And that's the opportunity that we face. And as you say, it is. This is a moment of crisis and opportunity. We have to wake up. And if we, uh, I mean, one of the things, inclusions I came to about uh, oneness uh, and recognizing your brother in everyone you meet and that sort of uh, understanding is that there was always room and there was always call for surrender, you know, so there's no resistance, and forgiveness. Um, so there's no hatred uh, or, or anything or any other bad feeling. How does that apply in this very polarized situation, that, as, as I see it, that is when you talk about the manipulation of information that we receive uh, or have control over what we're doing, is that still appropriate to be surrendering and forgiving? Well, I think certainly we're more effective when we forgive, I mean, uh, you know, blaming others uh, when there are no others to blame is a fairly futile exercise, really, <laughs> and it tends to be a loop that you can get caught in for a very, very long time. And as with all low vibrational uh, emotions that we hang on to and perpetuate, they only damage us. Yeah. And the, more we, the longer we resonate with those frequencies, the more we participate in those frequencies, the more we put them out into the world and the world responds to those thoughts and those, and those, those frequencies by presenting us with more and more of them. Yeah. You know, we, there is the story of, you know, meeting, um, you know, somebody, um, you know, who only meets angry people. And this person is a very angry person. It's like, well, why do you think you only meet angry people? Because you're, that's the vibration that you're putting out there. So in a sense, yes, we have to become aware of the illusion and what the illusion is telling us, the dream, if you like, the real dream that we're experiencing. We have to become aware of everything that it's showing us. But what it's really showing us is just a mirror and a reflection of who we are and where we're at and what we're hanging on to. And once we know that, we know that by letting go of, if you like, low vibrational emotions like anger and resentment and, and bitterness and fear, that we begin to experience a very different reality. It's not just that we experience the same reality differently. That's a psychological thought. That's not about consciousness. That's not about understanding oneness. If you're looking at the world from a point of view of true oneness, you are not seeing the same world through a different eyes. You are changing the world itself. You are changing the world out there by changing who you are and what you're experiencing within you. And that's a very, very different understanding. It's a very, very uh, much more powerful position and a much more responsible position to be in. But as you say, 
you know, we were talking, you were talking about the Dalai Lama, and you know, he, he, he speaks from great wisdom, but he has a concept of things taking a very long time to change. And I think that you and I really truly feel that that's not necessary. Right. Time is an illusion. We can, once we understand, once we have the information, and we're working within the right um, state of consciousness, and we understand how our thinking and our emotions change the world around us, we can change it in an instant. It doesn't take months of meditation or years of meditation or years of practicing this or years of practicing that. It's just about understanding our place in this interconnected universe and recognizing that we are responsible for all of it. So yes, we can say, uh, you know, from a conspiracy theory or a truth agenda theory, whatever you like, that there is a group of people out there that are, that are manipulating humanity. Well, are we any less responsible for that manipulation than we are responsible for anything else? You know, people like to say, oh, oneness means I'm at one with trees and I'm at one with, you know, the planet and I'm at one with the wildlife. Yeah. Well, then you have to be at one with that few people that are... Um, you feel are responsible for, you know, uh, affecting your freedom or limiting your experience. That's your responsibility, not theirs. The woman smiles, that eager smile. The man plays, and for a while, they seem to understand. The gulf that lies between them The children play The circle turns And for a while The world seems kind So we survive The gulf that lies
something, uh, just take for example anger. Uh, if, if we're dealing with anger, like we're meeting plenty of angry people and we recognised that we're carrying some anger in our hearts, how would you describe the, the clearing process? So you know how you sometimes say, oh, we're going through stuff at the moment and you're dealing with one thing or another. So say, for example, anger. How would you say, right, I've recognised it in myself now. What am I going to, how am I going to release this? I think um, from the, the, the point of view of, of um, uh, still flow, which is really about coming to terms with being part of an interconnected universe and acting intelligently based on that understanding. You know, we've been, we've been led down a cul-de-sac of information, limited information that's created a sense of limitation, a, a sense of disconnection, um, a sense of... Uh, insignificance in us and in order to re to return if you like to our connected state our truly expanded state and our conscious awareness that we are creating our reality in every moment we do have to go through uh, a process if you like yes. of, of letting go of the the power of our personal identity which often um, blocks us from experiencing that interconnectedness. Yes. And low vibrational experiences like anger or fear or resentment or um, uh, jealousy can uh, very much perpetuate our sense of separation and our sense of just being ourselves and not part of the interconnected universe. So. And, and not only that, it's a really uncomfortable experience to be having. Yes. So what the process would, uh, would encourage us to do is to look at what's going on in our lives, to look at the nature of our relationships, to look at the nature of what we are reacting to. So say you know, you're, you're going to work every day and somebody is constantly bothering you. Something is going on that's really, really bothering you. And you, you just think this person is a nightmare and they're just, you know, doing it to wind you up. Yeah. Now, that's the old way of thinking. That person is separate from you. They're in control of everything that they're doing. And they're basically a bad person because what they're doing is setting out to upset you. Okay. And your natural response to them is to be upset. This is the, this is the, the way of thinking that has created our suffering, our current crisis. Okay. Yes. So to turn that around, what we do from a still flow point of view is we would say, okay, well, um, let's just consider that differently. Let's consider that that person is a manifestation of my consciousness, something that is trying to tell me something that I need to let go of in order to expand my possibility of reconnecting with my true self, to free myself from suffering and to reconnect to nature, reconnect to the cosmos, reconnect to myself, and be able to be at peace with other people. So the response then would be, say, okay, well, I therefore must be resonating something. I must have something that has required me to create this person at work that is doing this thing that's really bugging me. So what we need to look at is, what are they doing? How does it really make us feel? And often what we'll find is there is something that, we, that we've experienced in the past or some belief that we're hanging on to 
which, which is telling us to respond badly to that person. It's causing us to respond badly to that person's behavior. And as soon as we become aware of that in a different way, we stop being a victim of their behavior. We stop needing to change them or to hate them or to be annoyed by them. And we can begin to embrace them as an opportunity for our spiritual or our conscious awakening. And the way that we do that is to say, okay, well, I'm creating everything around me. Everything that's going on in my consciousness is coming from me. This blip on my radar is drawing my attention to something that's in me and giving me the opportunity to let it go. And once you can tune into that thing, and you can do that in the moment, once you become aware and start thinking in this way, you can do this in the moment. You can't do it whilst you think you're separate from that person and they're just a pain in the arse. But as soon as you realize that you brought them into your experience for a reason, you can tune into what it is that you're feeling and you can decide to simply let it go. <laughs> I'm suddenly realizing that I've got uh, two two-year-old dogs scuffling in the background and in uh, that totally like obviously my two-year-old self uh, is uh, and my emotional capacity at that age is still scuffling in the background in my life I'm like, oh, oh, oh. and I'm like oh my goodness but it, I, I did realize uh, even yesterday uh, that uh, that you know, dogs represent your emotions and horses represent your spiritual aspect, you know, you know, in some sense or form. Uh, the dogs interrupt everything. You, know, you can't get a thought in your head, you can't get a piece of music from one end to the other without like, and, or a bit of a fight or a whittle or, you know, where does it end? And, uh, and I just thought that it definitely says a lot about uh, get, getting you know, one's emotional balance and mastering one's emotions uh, to uh, up to the same uh, you know sort of performance standard as the rest of one's consciousness I think that I think there is a huge difference between kind of you know thinking that you can control your emotions you know this again it's a it's a kind of psychological model we have within consciousness if you like everything that human beings have uh, ever been aware of we could say is our kind of collective consciousness. That's, that's everything that we've ever thought about, everything we've ever put down on paper or considered or whatever. Um, and one of those models is, you know, the psychological model, that it's all to do with our brain, it's all to do with our thinking, um, and actually, our, you know, our thinking dominates our emotions and all of this. And as long as we can get it under control, you know, we'll be okay. And again, it's a kind of, you know, that, you know, the terminology we use is very reflective of the way we've come to behave as human beings in our kind of sense of separation, that we need to compete with each other and we need to dominate each other and ourselves in order to be more uh, uh, successful, if you like. Yeah. In a, but a success in a terribly limited uh, field a terribly limited way, you know, which many many people are now discovering is, you know, it's not success at all. It's just control. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when you said before about um, uh, uh, surrender, that's more, in a sense, what uh, we're, we're we're talking about doing is not resisting our experience or 
blaming anyone for our experience, but saying actually, I'm just noticing this now, and this is mindfulness. I mean, this is this is the process described as mindfulness um, within within Buddhism to observe our emotional responses and our thoughts and not to try and stop them coming, not to try and empty our minds and become neutral and, you know, uh, uh, you know, still at all, but simply to notice that what we resist persists. So if we do try and stop it, it will get stronger. Yeah. And if we blame someone else for it, we lose our opportunity to let it go because we justify ourselves in thinking we're right to feel that way. But just to say, okay, well, this is coming up. This is what's coming up for me. This is what I've chosen to experience right now. It's a very interesting feeling, but it's all part of the spectrum of being alive. It's all part of the spectrum of humanity. That's and that what lets you kind of pass through. So you kind of become more and more transparent in a way, do you, where information can just pass through you without you getting stuck on... Well, yeah, I mean, memory. this is the thing. I mean, people say, oh, well, I don't want to do that because I'll just become an empty space. You know, and I think actually <laughs> that's a great fear for a lot of people. But actually, it doesn't stop you having emotions. It just stops you becoming addicted to the low vibrational ones. And I think that that, again, is a big part of our thinking in, in you know, in modern society. That, you know, our emotions are really important and we've got to look after our feelings and all of this. And it's like, well, actually, why couldn't you just have that experience and then let it go? The problem is we justify our feelings. We, we kind of, I think um, Eckhart Tolle calls it the, the pain body. We have within us this pain body that we kind of nurture. We enjoy the suffering because we're kind of encouraged to. We're encouraged very much to celebrate our kind of, you know, our depression and our darkness and our struggle and, you know, the, you know, the, the struggling artist or, or, you know, coming to terms with, you know, the, the, the meaninglessness of life. Well, yeah. Actually, you know, choose that if you want to, but you don't have to. You can feel anger, you can feel guilt, you can feel sadness just as much, but you just don't need to, you know, allow them to overwhelm you or to overpower you. Yeah, and I think, no, go on, no, I was going to say, I was thinking of, you know, with depression, I think that's a lot of what people get stuck in is this idea that they're not allowed to feel what they feel. And actually, if they just allowed themselves to truly feel it and stop trying to block it, stop trying to get away from it, stop trying to fix it, they would allow it to pass. Well, I think uh, that, that is interesting because um, I would definitely have fallen into the, the category of, of not wanting to really feel it too much in case it's overwhelmed and uh, you were lost in it for forever. Well, there's a very interesting technique that somebody um, taught me once when I was having shiatsu, and I don't know where this technique uh, came from, but um, I was experiencing, you know, a memory from my childhood of, you know, uh, of some sort of argument going on between my parents, and it came up whilst I was having shiatsu, and, uh, and she basically said, well, just feel it, and uh, it was almost the opposite of letting it go, which is, you know, kind of still away. But basically she said, just feel it and turn it up and turn it up and turn it up. <laughs> and so I'm lying there and I'm literally feeling this, this anger, which is just overwhelming my body from, just from this momentary memory of the past. Yeah. I realized that this absolute fury is still attached to that memory. 
Yes. And as she tells me to turn it up, it amplifies and amplifies and amplifies, and then it suddenly it just went pop. And that's the only way I can explain it. It literally was like a balloon blowing up, mm. and it just went pop, and it was gone. In an instant, it was gone. And it hasn't and, troubled you since? Well, I, I've, no, I've never thought about it since. I mean, to be honest, that was, that was quite early in my life when, you know, I... You know, I kind of lost my whole past, you know, when I, my experience was of a kind of quite uh, uh, dramatic and quite sudden uh, release from all of the emotional anchoring, if you like, to my past. And this is the interesting thing, you see, the memories that we most uh, are attached to which are actually thoughts that we believe to have experienced in the past, the ones that have the lowest vibrational uh, emotional memory attached to them are the ones that we tend to go back to most. They're the ones that we identify with more than any others. Yes. You know, there may be some happy memories that we go back to, but we tend to be, we, we tend to be anchored, if you like, in the past by these low vibrational experiences, uh, emotions. And if you can find a way to experience those same emotions because they will continue to repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat and draw experiences to you again and again and again to bring your awareness to them so that you can let them go or do something about them. If you can do something to let them go and, and in a sense all you really need to do to clear them is to observe them and to choose with intention to let them go and allow them to pass rather than justifying them or hanging on to them, then actually what happens is the memory of the past begins to dissolve. It's almost like the two are anchored to each other. The emotion stimulates the memory of the event, and the memory of the event stimulates the emotion.
We, we, we are all aware that there are, you know, patterns that recur, occur, recur in our life, whether it's similar relationships, similar situations, similar feelings. And our tendency is to think that all of these events are separate and unconnected. Yeah. Well, my belief is that we are being awakened, that our consciousness is being awakened, and the vehicle through which we're being awakened is our emotional experience and our emotional uh, uh, memory, if you like. And those emotional memories, those things that have anchored us in our sense of separation, you know, everything we remember ourselves to be, all our pain, all of this, that's anchoring us in a state of separation. And if we want to move into an expanded state of being and to experience the kind of magic of other levels of consciousness and, and to communicate with nature and to feel at peace with ourselves and with other people, which is all perfectly possible and a huge uh, benefit of awakening, then we have to notice these patterns in our life because they're not separate events. They are the emotions that are tying us to our separation, which are calling out by continually creating for us opportunities to let them go. Yeah. So the person that irritated you at work today is no different to the person that irritated you at the bus stop last week. <laughs> it's because they're all just manifestations of an emotion that is within you. No, they were really nice last week at the bus stop. They really were. 
yeah. I mean, but they're all manifestations of the same vibrational frequency within you that is asking to be released. It wants to be released. It's giving you opportunity to let it go. And as, if you choose to let it go rather than justifying it and blaming someone that you think is separate from you for causing it, then you have the opportunity to let it go permanently. And as you do that, your vibration rises, your awareness expands, and you begin to enter into a greater sense of who you are and a greater sense of your interconnectivity. Brilliant. I think that's something I'd like to talk about next time is that expanded self, uh, you know, and, and how it relates to to energy. That once in a way we've cleared um, the the real density of negative emotion, for example, or, or difficult memory or whatever ever that's manifesting, is uh, what's possible, what you can what you can explore beyond that, uh, because that's kind of all to play for then. And as you say, it, it can be on a moment-to-moment basis that that you allow something new in or you're clearing something old. I mean, did you find that you 
we're open to uh, new experiences right from the very beginning, or are you still trying to deal with your own uh, agenda? Um, you weren't really trying to deal with your own agenda right from the start, were you? you just well, I, I suppose I was. I mean, I, I you know I came from a very difficult childhood. You know, my 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 parents had a really violent mar- marriage. My dad was an alcoholic. My mum became an alcoholic. Um, uh, my dad was a, an addict. Um, and so, you know, those addictions, that suffering, if you like, those addictions were representations of a suffering that they couldn't resolve. And eventually it killed both of them in different ways. And I think that, yeah, so my, I was definitely on a journey to understand human suffering and how human suffering can be a massive block to, to, to love and compassion. And so, but I didn't expect to experience what I experienced at all. There's no way I could have expected what actually happened to me um, to have happened. And I, and again, I suppose that's what I want to kind of communicate to people is there are very simple processes and simple changes in your point of view and your behavior which can allow you to open up to something which you cannot comprehend how extraordinary it can be, how magical it can be. You know, <laughs> I call it lucid living. You know, we have this idea of lucid dreaming that sometimes you can awaken in a dream and, and begin to uh, make decisions that alter the dream, that you could become the controller of that dream. Well, I believe that that's what we have potential to do in our waking state. Oh, brilliant. Yes. So that's, that's where we're going with this. This is, this is the awakening. The awakening is not just waking up and realizing that, you know, human beings are, are you know, are uh, kind of being manipulated. It's much, 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 much bigger than that. And, and I don't know that we can ever know how, how infinite this is because it's infinite. I mean, the, yeah. the word itself defies, <laughs> no, defy, you know, yeah. it's, it's an experience that is so infinitely beyond what you can imagine that I can't begin to express it. Yeah, but I think, I mean, I don't know if, do you mind, but I was going to say to, to listeners that if they had any questions or a personal experience that they'd like uh, clarification on or to, to bring to, uh, for us to bring into our discussions at any point, uh, that they could... Uh, communicate with me, and and uh, would you be up for that sort of interaction with them? That would be great. I mean, that's, that's that's what it's all about. You know, this is this is a this is our awakening. This is a collective awakening, and you know, sometimes it, it can be really hard. Uh, sometimes it's just great, but sometimes it can be a real struggle to understand what on earth is happening to you. And I think um, you know, anything that we can do to to answer any questions would be would be wonderful. Brilliant. All right. Well, thanks a million. And uh, so, um, speak, speak to you next week then. <laughs> thanks, Frank. Uh, that's brilliant. Thank you. So I stopped and feel and feel to hear the stuff inside of me. Whispers wisdom into me. Feel the fear inside of me Guides the way ahead for me So I stop to feel and feel Feel 
This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.